0: What is good? Everybody, welcome back to the In The Paint podcast presented by Ball is Life. In our second episode, our hard-in-the-paint topic is going to be jersey swapping. It's kind of a new fad that's taken over the NBA recently. I think it started in soccer, right? Yeah, it's a soccer. It's a soccer thing, right? It's a soccer thing, yeah. But now, this season, I mean, we're seeing everyone do it. Everyone's trading jerseys. Obviously, LeBron and Wade was a big one the other night. Dwayne Wade's one last dance tour continued in Los Angeles and LeBron and Wade are good friends um, and they, they swap jerseys and you know photo ops and I have a feeling tell me, you know, correct me if I'm wrong but I have a feeling that the jersey swap thing is kind of just a little bit of branding
1: I think so Devin when you look at that uh, players understand their branding and their social media um, you know it, their social media prowess I should say so it's funny to me you know D Wade's last hurrah, and to me that just means the team he's on ain't very good because they know they're not gonna meet in the playoffs. So it's a little <laughs> funny to me. Just, they already know that's their season's over. You know, and they're just not gonna make it, made it, meet in the finals or anything like that. So that that's kind of cool. I like the fact that you know they kind of pushed each other as players. D Wade and LeBron came in the same draft. Class, but you know they played together. Yeah, but D Wade's a little older, so he kind of, you know, LeBron kind of looks up to him in that regard a little bit. You know, I could say I think that I could say that with confidence. LeBron came in as an eighteen year old, and D Wade had his own differences. You know, he wasn't very well known on his travel team. He or call he it, in college at Marquette, a, yeah, he was a prop forty eight at Marquette, so he's kind of the guy that where LeBron had, you know, the the silver spoon basketball career. You know, so it, it's a, it's a cool thing, but. You know, I, I, that to me a little bit is something that used to be done in private between players. You know, the thank yous, the appreciate your career, mm-hmm. the thanks for being in my corner thing. And I like to see that stuff in private. You hear the stories, but you know now it's it's just for everybody and everybody's legend. All oh, the two legends, all the oh, all the legends, all day. you see on Twitter, and it gets a little uh, silly in my in my opinion because you're not giving it proper perspective. You know, this between two guys, two adults. And, and what they mean to each other. Guys, most of us out here don't know LeBron and Wade D-Wade like that. So we, we we have a little connection as fans, I guess, but not really. Uh you know, I we, it's 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 a little corny to me. You're taking No, no,
0: it's corny. Like it it comes to a point where sure like if yeah. think about this, put this in perspective. If LeBron and D-Wade were the only two people this season to jersey swap in the NBA yeah. because of Dwayne Wade's last game against LeBron because he was retiring after the season. That's cool. Yes, that's cool. But when you have like me and you playing a pickup game yeah. at Twenty Four Hour Fitness yeah. and swapping Jersey. fucking t-shirts afterwards, like yeah. no one gives a shit about that. No, exactly.
1: <laughs> People don't realize like it has to mean something. I I think it it they kind of say, well, you know, wow, they're they're on this level and that's real cool, you know. But just look look at it. Enjoy them as fans, enjoy D-Wade. You know, we have great, indelible memories of him. He's won, you know, two championships with the Heat. Obviously, LeBron didn't win anything in Cleveland until he he came with D-Wade, and D-Wade had already won one. So give D-Wade some credit there. You know, that's what I would would think. Give him some credit, and uh, you know, he's obviously one of the best shooting guards in history. So that's what people should be left with, not to let's do this every game and let's do this at every stop. It, it's right. It cheapens th- the product and it cheapens the moment.
0: Yeah, there there have been a couple instances yeah. this season that have, that have been cool as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Holiday Brothers, they jersey swapped after a game, and you know that they're well known as being a family with three, yeah. you know, sons so in that, the NBA. Yeah, played in the NBA so, or are
1: in the NBA. That's yes. pretty cool. And then um, really Tom, cool.
0: Yeah, Tony Parker, Nick Batum, and uh, Frank. Pardon my my mispronunciation here, but Nicotina, Nilekina, whatever his name is, yeah. they're all from France, and they all jersey swapped. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty unique. But if you got, like... Pretty uh, authentic. Yeah, if you got role guys coming and being like, hey, I played four minutes this game and had two points and three rebounds, and you have another role player, like, yeah, let's swap jerseys, bro. Like, yeah. It's, it kind of lessens the product a little bit. Yeah, I think it should be left for
1: the moments for people who have that type of background. You know, if you... If you have a soccer background or you enjoyed soccer as a kid and that's what you did, then, yeah, I think that makes sense for some of those guys you just mentioned, you know, Tony Parker and those guys. and well, LeBron and D. Wade's okay. You know, that's, it's a two, you know, prominent players and, and a prominent moment. But I, I just hope we don't see that all the time. And, of course, the, the Twitter heads and the social media people, the people who need clicks for their websites and the people who, who want to get their Twitter followers up because they got the, the, the prime shot of it, you know, it's... It ain't about that, guys. It's it's about the two players. So let's keep that in mind. You're not gonna get a a bunch of more followers, thousands of followers, because you got the nice shot. Who cares? They might be bots anyway. Don't mean nothing. Don't mean anything in the bigger in the bigger scheme of things. So you know, like you see the, uh, this guy, you know, on Twitter, you like, see D Wade just swap jersey with a random guy. CJ
0: McCollum. I mean, CJ McCollum's McCollum. a great player. Yeah. But again, like we're just swapping with random dudes. Yeah.
1: It's it's what is the swap for CJ McCollum? It's just you know, it's cool for him, but he can just give you that one day at his house. Maybe you're over, <laughs> over, over, you know, at a party or at his retirement party.
0: Well, you were telling me a story earlier about yeah. Pat Riley and Jordan. Yeah. And kind of when, when they were... The Knicks when, when and when the When Riley Blues. was on his way yeah. out or going to, down to Miami where he coached after that. Yeah. yeah. Kind of give us a brief, you know, overview of that and why what, what they did in private. Yeah. You know, Pat
1: Riley obviously was down with the, with, with the Knicks and... And going in, eventually going to go to coach the Heat, and he, he was at a Monte Carlo, or his place where he really uh, you know stayed. It was a hotel. It was a, a five star hotel that he frequented. And he, he as most people in of his uh, stature or his lit longevity in pro sports, they probably like to eat at the same restaurants, right? Stay at the same rooms. They have a routine. They have a routine, obviously, Devin. So you know, Pat Riley's going to check in and. And he doesn't have his room available. And Pat Riley goes, "What what's going on? And he said well, uh, I think let me double check for you, sir. Uh, yeah, there's a Michael Jordan who has occupying that room. I guess he's a Michael Jordan. So I don't know if you want to maybe, you know, reach out to the guy and see if he will swap rooms with you or if there's some kind of, you know, I don't know why he got that room, but he has that room now. So Pat Riley smiles and he goes, damn, you know, the SOB got me. So I guess... Pat Riley sends him a, a little note, either through a courier at his door, say, "Until next time, my friend," and 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 Riley appreciated the moment because Jordan got him at that point, and that's the kind of things you want to hear and, and see. Those are the things that that kind of drive the competitive nature. Jordan always wants the advantage, even if it's over a guy who's not even playing, another coach. You know, and and Jordan took his room, took Pat, the nicest room in the hotel, and Pat Riley's just steamy. And I think that's cool. And, you know, you, you hear about that in the public. Well, if everything is out in the in social media, it, it, it would lose its steam. It would lose its luster, to, it's yeah. luster to those guys. So yeah. I think that kept was kept between them. And it got out years later, and Pat Riley might have told the story. So, you know, I, I would like to see some of that stuff between a LeBron and other great players, especially when LeBron retires, just to let that be... Between them, and then as you get older, or as our audience gets older, as, as fans get on and get more knowledgeable, you find out about that later.
0: And you kind of, I think, it, going back to the legend thing, it kind of yeah. adds to their legendariness. Correct, and their mystique. Their mystique. Nothing can be a mystique of everything is... It's on social media. On social media at every second. But it, but they wanted, it's clear that they want it to be on social media, mm-hmm. because... Yeah. An ego thing or wanting to always be seen or having feeling the need to always be on the forefront sure. with what you're doing, but people are just like oversharing. Like, we were just yeah. talking about this yesterday with someone on Twitter who just tweets like non stop. Correct. There's some guys out there, and they could have some good things to say,
1: but you're just tweeting non stop, guys. So, guys, be out there, poop heads. You're tweeting non stop, it kind of kills your. Good points, and then if you keep saying fire in a movie theater all the time, eventually nobody's gonna move because they don't believe you no more. So, if you got a good topic, you got a good story, share hoop heads out there. Share it at the right time and share it in, in in the right dose, proper dosage. You don't when you get sick, you don't you don't pop seventeen Advil's. You pop two of them. So Speak for you, yourself. Yeah, <laughs> Devin <laughs> likes to pop a bunch after he plays that twenty four hour, but. You get my point. You you know, give us give it to us in in doses, and I think your points will be made stronger. And the people and players you care about, you'll have even more meaning as you learn about them over the years. You know, I've, I'm still learning about players that I liked when I was younger, or, or stories you hear, you know, that are older from guys who have been around. So those those are great great things to learn. Great learning points. So I hope you guys.
0: Stop it. And you know, some things that we probably sh- don't need in doses, especially if you're a basketball player, is Scoring, rebounding, and passing, like one Julius Randle of the New Orleans Pelicans has been doing recently. Um, he's kind of found his, his place with New Orleans. And um, we have a little um, edit here by our Ball is Life crew um, where he went a four game stretch against Detroit, Memphis, Dallas, and the Clippers, where he had 28 points, 26 points, 27 points, and 37 points. Not to mention, you know, 18 rebounds against Dallas and 13 rebounds against Memphis. Um, that kind of brings us you know everyone's wondering this did the Lakers make a mistake in letting Julius Randle walk before they kind of saw how he how he played with LeBron what are your thoughts on that
1: Devin I think the Lakers uh, did make a mistake uh, letting him walk overall again this is a business but the things you just said 28 and 6 and 5 26 13 and 2 27 18 and with, a, with a plus 21 39. I mean 37 and eight. That's not. That's what a number two pick supposed to do. Now, obviously, that goes back to the Lakers have had the number two pick like seems like every year. But you know, I think to see where he fits in with a guy like LeBron and the physicality that he brought. It, now, obviously, he does have a little bit of shortcomings like any other player. But you know, he goes to his left too much. He doesn't get off of vert- off the ground as horizontally as good as other guys. Vertically, great. But Overall, you got to see how he fits in. He's and it still comes down to winning the championship. He's a physical player, and that's what I think the Lakers are missing. They're they're Devin. They're just a little soft to me.
0: You're you're probably right about you know Julius bringing the physicality factor, the toughness factor. And he's a he's yeah. a, he's one of the toughest dudes in the league. He's, he's, he plays so hard. Strong. Yeah, I mean, he plays hard. And if the Lakers want to play fast, he's a guy who is six eight. Gets out on the break, you know, runs the floor, can finish. He's a great rebounder offensively and defensively, which yeah. we know is huge in the playoffs. You need rebounders in the playoffs. Yeah, he's even more
1: valuable in the playoffs, I think. Right. It slows down a little bit, and he's going to give you what you need. And Right now, I'm not sure. Lakers are playing good ball, you know, about, what, 17-11 or yep. whatnot?
0: Yep, you know, They're, 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 they're in the playoffs. They're, they're you know, sixth, fifth or sixth in the West. So
1: you can't doubt, you know, what Magic and Rob Pelink are doing Totally, because they're, they're obviously making doing some right things. But, right. But, uh, you know, this may be one of those where it, it comes back to haunt them.
0: To play devil's advocate with this, obviously I think it would have been good to see what Julius could have done alongside LeBron, but the Lakers have so many ball stoppers on that team. LeBron needs the ball in his hands. Oh, yeah. Ingram, Brandon Ingram, when he touches it, it's eyes it's to the ground and we're going one-on-one, I'm going to get a bucket. Um, Kyle Kuzma, he's a great scorer. He moves well off the ball. But when sure. he gets it, he's thinking score. Sure. So, Lonzo is kind of the the one guy who um, is that you know he's unselfish because yeah. he doesn't want to score because right now he can't score. Yeah, he's not you know what I'm saying. He's not going to score right now. So you throw Julius Randall into that mix with a whole bunch of other guys who need the ball in their hands to be able to create. He's one of those guys too. Kind of get get the ball and and first thing he's thinking is score. So if they're trying to play some. "Quote unquote warrior style of basketball, where it's ball movement and player mm-hmm. movement and everyone sharing and you know moving without the ball. I mean, they have the wrong pieces for that right now, let alone having Julius Randle in Got that it. mix as well. But again, you can't deny the production, and you can't deny um, you know kind of the the heart and intensity he plays with every single night. The dude plays hard. You can't deny that at all. Definitely, I, I agree with you there. So I think it." Remains to be seen because we'll see what the Lakers do in the playoffs. But I think you're
1: right. Right now, I think we're saying the Lakers should have given him a, a little more time. And Maybe see, a little more time. And see what he did because, you know, we got to know Julius a little bit over the years. Our guy, Brad, balls Life South, you know, knows Julius. Well, I know him a little bit. And, and that and that personal touch doesn't have anything to do with the we're, we're just talking about what he brings to a team.
0: Productivity on yeah. the court, which is – what what this is all about? We should base this on. Yeah, this is what it should be all about. And speaking of productivity,
1: how about these mid majors getting it done again this this year? Uh, when you look at an AP top twenty five college basketball, swinging over a little bit of college basketball, yeah. you know Nevada's number seven team in the country, right? You know you got Buffalo at fourteen this week. You know you. Furman's jumped in. Furman of the Southern League. What are we getting What are we we getting here? What are we getting here? So, uh, Devin, just talk a little bit about that. Um, You talk about fit. Obviously, Julius Randle's a a blue blood recruit, you know. Right, but it's all about fit. So, talk a little bit about fit and what these teams are doing.
0: Right. Sometimes the, the mid major guys can't get the blue blood guys, but, you know, Nevada's and Gonzaga are kind of changing that mold. I, I really don't see Gonzaga as a mid-major anymore. No. Like, sure, they're in, a, like they're in a mid-major conference, sure. but as a program, they're, they're they're recruiting at a high level, whether it's internationally or, you know, Josh Perkins was a high-level recruit. Sure. You know.
1: They're getting those Zach Norvell was bit. a
0: high-level recruit. Definitely. But they're not beating out
1: Kentucky or Duke for the top tier three or five guys. They're getting these next crop of guys, and now Nevada is getting Transfers. A, a transfers, grad or a, transfers, a, a grad transfer, or a guy who's coming in right below those guys, like a Jordan Brown. You know, most of the time, you would think, oh, Jordan Brown is McDonald's All American. He's going to start right away. He's going to start right away. He He's not even starting. It. And if they go to the Final Four, they win the whole thing.
0: It's who a great cares? Decision. Yeah, who cares? Right. It's a great decision. But that kind of brings me back to my point. They're yeah. not. I don't think they're trying to get the high level guys because that's not how they recruit. Yeah. The way they recruit is for a system. Not yeah. everybody can play for Eric Musselman. He's one of the most hard-nosed guys you're gonna come across. Demanding, uh, super early practices, like film sessions that'll tear your brain out. Sure, things of that nature. So they recruit for the style of play that they want to have. Virginia, number six in the country, always in you know that top ten mix uh, in the national title talk, um, and they've got a guy from the Valley out here in Southern California, Kihei Clark, who was previously committed to UC Davis, uh, wow. a five foot nine, four, five foot five, five, 9
1: Heart of a champion. True
0: point guard, but again, yeah. he yeah. fit what they wanted. Yeah. And that's how, what we're seeing here is these mid-majors are getting guys who fit their system, who might have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because they're under the radar. And grad transfers or four-year program guys who happen to just be, you know, dogs. Yeah, and that's the point I want to make,
1: Devin, the next point in terms of we go back a few weeks. Duke started well, and oh, my God. You could have a better start. Yeah, Zion Williamson is shooting 75% from the field.
0: They're all done. This is the
1: best team we've ever seen. This is the great. They're going to win it hands down. A week later... Early December, they lose to Gonzaga. Okay, they're not the, – the bubbles burst a little bit. Okay, and that probably did them good, I think. Sure. So, you know, they, 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 let's bring them let's, – let's get the jack-in-the-box heads back into the box and, and so Duke can fit through the doorway a little bit and play ball, which is good. So you go to Gonzaga. Well, now you go just to last week at the hoop hall. I'm at the hoop hall, and on that Sunday there in Phoenix is a nice doubleheader. And Tennessee beats Gonzaga, and mm-hmm. Tennessee exactly has exactly what you're talking about, Devin. Guys, they want they're number three in the country right now. They have some tough guys that are not. They're coming top to beat your ass. 50. Yeah, they're not top fifty guys. They they come to play t- good team ball, and that's what you like to see. And that's what the point you made earlier for some of these guys who are now in the AP top twenty-five in college basketball. They have older guys, and that's what I try to tell people when they talk about this: this Zion Williamson, this R.J. Barrett. This is Cam Reddish. Sometimes guys with a little more experience, guys that are 21 years old, play together, mm-hmm. weren't of that level coming in. Sometimes that works. It does. You know, It, so clearly, it, it clearly does. It, it, and there's nothing wrong with it. So I think right now you're looking at a place where you have guys that are, um, you know, we, they're going to be high NBA draft choices as they should. As versus, they should. Versus guys that play on a team... That are bought, a little more bought in, I would say. I would argue they're a little more bought in. Um, that's why I have I have a little problem with comparing people want to throw it, throw the Fab Five out real quick. Or Larry Johnson UNLV. UNLV against this this Duke team. Well, that Duke team this Duke team I should say, compared to those guys, these guys are a brand. Zion Williamson is a brand. Even RJ Barrett is a little bit of an intern turning into a little bit of an international brand. And I'm not sure I see just this is just my view what I've seen because I saw the, their games live that that time on TV and I followed it very closely. Those teams were a little closer. They really enjoyed playing together. Not saying this Duke team does, but I think some of these guys went to Duke because that's where they should go for their the their branding. Right. To be honest, and that's maybe it's of, a lack of a better that's, term. That's kind
0: of going back to the jersey swapping thing. They're yeah. going to get the most yeah. viewership. Yeah. The most eyes yeah. are going to be on them, and obviously Duke is a yeah. so. And in the recruiting world when you're a when yeah. you're a top 10 prospect it's you know yeah. you're considering Duke you're considering Kentucky yeah and everyone else has to try and beat those guys out because they're so well branded correct um,
1: and you're gonna start there just like before 30 years ago we started Carolina and Louisville sure. it almost like they Carolina's had a draft. still there yeah and Carolina's still there they got the tobacco road obviously and so, they have the Jordan stuff yeah and you know the Jordan's always gonna be connected they're, they're a great program you know you I, I would never sit here and and compare Coach K to Steve Fisher. And that's not what I want to do, but what I'm trying to say is those guys like Steve Fisher, just like Larry Johnson and Stacy Ogman could have been first-round picks, but they came back. They enjoyed playing for that college. Whether you agree with that or how, if they were getting paid on the side, if 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 they Probably. were getting everything we know, yeah, if they were getting <laughs> taken care of. Doesn't matter. The point we're trying to make is they enjoyed it. I'm not sure some of these uh, one and dones. Teams, quote unquote teams. Sometimes it works, like it worked Kentucky. It worked at Kentucky with John Michael kidd Gil, Gil, Kid, Gil, Chris, and Davis. That obviously Davis is a great player, and it also worked with uh, Jaleel Okafor and Tyus Jones. But right. a lot other times it hasn't. So you, that's the that's the that's the gamble, and that is a gamble you take. So
0: sometimes it works,
1: sometimes it doesn't. But I like to see. I think it's good for the college game in summary that some of these other teams are, are rising and, and have good teams that they built over two over seasons time. or two it's, or three seasons.
0: It's good for parity. And it, it helps those teams kind of up their stock when, you know, those, like Jordan Brown, what was yeah. in the top 20 yeah. guy. Yeah. Top 20 guy, definitely. And, and high for a little while. Some people thought he was in the top 10, right. top five yeah. guy, and he picked Nevada. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of giving them a little boost in the recruiting world. Sure. Um, and sometimes in the recruiting world, fit is better than the name on the jersey because you, you're going to get if, if a lower level guy whatever goes to a school that's a little too high form and I'm talking even like lower lower level guys go to a school that's a little too high form they're going to get over recruited and they're going to have to transfer sit out a year and do all the bounce back bullshit Correct. Um, and that kind of leads us into our probing segment on high school and kind of some of the things that we've seen in the early season tournaments um both Ronnie and I were at Redondo for most of that tournament. Um, Salt Tournament, Fairfax won. Ethan Anderson going to UNLV was the MVP of that tournament, and he's off to a great start this year. Ronnie, what did you see at Redondo that, that you liked?
1: When I was at Redondo to start the season, obviously, folks, if you don't know, the high school season starting a little bit earlier around the country. Here in, in California, CIF basketball can now start on November 12th, just so you know. The season's going to end at Sleep Train Arena on March 8th night, which is as early as it's ever finished in California, which may be a good thing. But between that November and March, we what we saw at Redondo, you know, Fairfax. I'm thinking Fairfax-Westchester. Fairfax-Westchester. Mm-hmm. Westchester won their own tournament a week later. The Trevor Reza tip-off, obviously right. named after their 2003 Mr. Basketball Trevor Reza. But you... That hasn't changed. So the constant is in the city section. Those two guys, you know, Steve Bake, who coached at Chino Hills previously, led them the Fat 50 title, and and Ed Azam, who's the dean of coaches now in in California, uh, even over Gary McNally. he's been there since seventy nine eighty. Great players. They have a player, Jordan Brinson, who just decommitted from Missouri State, and he's probably going to fit that mold of what we're talking about. He can go to a right fit. That guy can be a really good college, really
0: good college player. player.
1: Really, most people don't have him on that high radar. If you go look at him at 247 ESPN, you're, you're gonna have to dig. He's not there. We're telling you right now, this guy can play. Right. And and there's a few other guys like that. Obviously, the kid coming up, um, coming up the charts, and he's now you know tracking as a high school all-American is Zaire Williams. Zaire. Zaire. From Sherman Oaks Notre Dame, I was about to say Zion Williams.
0: Yeah,
1: talk about branding. Yeah. Z- Zion Williams. So he's a 220, and they had a great win. They beat Santa Margarita in a, yeah. in a good game, and but then they came back and lost to Washington, Washington Prep. So, you know, that's my always been my thing with Zion. He's going to have two great games. Then he may, uh, a, maybe a scout who doesn't see him as much as we do sees, sees him, it's like, yeah. Uh, he just needs a little more consistency, and he could be right there. This summer, he was up and down. He was great with BTI, Robert Archive's team. Then he wasn't so good at the Pangos camp. So we just want to see him get a little more uh, consistent. I do. I should say. I shouldn't say, we. I do. And then this is what the season's about, and that's what high school season's about, guys. You know, you have a chance to get things right to to get to ready for that spring. You know, and I, I really like him. Um, Fairfax came back. And they won Rose City, so they they, they remained undefeated. Then we went over to Battle Zone. Battle Ra- was great. Rancho Christian uh, won that, and they're ranked second in the state, 16th in the Fab 50. Uh, what did you see at uh, the tournaments after Pack Shores and before Battle Zone, Devin?
0: Yeah, I mean, you hit on the Pack Shores guy who kind of raised his stock a lot, and who has over the summer. Zaire Williams got an offer from North Carolina recently, a blue yeah. blo- blue blood program. Yeah, but. Back to Battlezone, and you know, I go to the really small tournaments sure. like yeah. Omar and all that, but yeah. Battlezone was obviously a high level tournament, one of the higher level tournaments you'll find in, in a region. Yeah, um, yeah. Chino um, Hills was there, Hills, Rancho Verde. Big O looks great. He's you know, his body's back being right from when he was yeah. injured in the beginning of the summer, and he was he was dominant uh, whenever he needed to be. You know, double doubles, 20, 27 points, 17 rebounds, and that's yeah. what he does. I mean, Big O is. Is going to be great um, for USC. Let me ask you a question yeah. about
1: Big O. I don't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. You're
0: good. Some people have Big
1: old 15th, uh, 17th. We're talking about, when we say people have, we mean the the recruiting services that people know about Scout, uh, 247, I should say. 247, Stash, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rivals and ESPN. Um, they have him there. We've seen him play a lot. He hasn't had a bad game yet. He was great this summer when he needed to be. Especially against Team Takeover for the for the mythical grassroots championship, he played really good. Devin, do you think he's ranked where he should be? Is he too low? Is he does he not get enough lift? Is he not big enough? What's your take on on Big O? I mean,
0: I think people see him; he's a he's a thicker yeah. kind of guy. He's not sure. one of these long, yeah. super long, rangy prospects that sure. some of these evaluators nowadays love to love to love
1: love to love love yes. to love. Yeah, loaf over, yeah.
0: <laughs> but Big O is all about production. um and every single game, he's giving you twenty plus points and ten to fifteen plus rebounds and five block shots. Um, is he the most you know nimble player. guy yeah. in transition? No, but he does. He gets the job done. Is he an undersized quote unquote center at 6'8 Probably you know pushing six nine. Probably, but again, it goes back to what's the production value? What does he bring to the court? And he does a little bit of everything. That Chino Hill's team is not loaded by any means. Sure. he, he was they're a good team, not he was, a great they're, team. They're a good team, not a great yeah. team. He was doubled and tripled that entire tournament. Sure. And he passes out of the double now. He's finding shooters. Those are the little things that maybe some people don't see is, how does the guy react when he's he has a hard double or hard triple coming at him? Does he find his shooter? Is he unselfish? Or does he try and bulldoze his way through three defenders and you know get rung up for a charging call? Big O does all the little things. Another guy like that is Evan Mobley. I mean yeah. Evan Mobley's the prototypical, you know, 6'11 7-footer with the long arms and the people are going to and they're going to fall in love with him and that's obviously why he's, you know, a, potentially the you know, number one prospect regardless of class in the country now. Um, I I think that sure. personally I think that um, yeah. but like Evan Mobley sometimes, you know, Isaiah his older brother's on the same team mm-hmm. and Isaiah does most of the production. Sure. Evan sometimes gets, you know, thirteen points, eleven rebounds, but also has nine block shots. Yeah. And makes unbelievable passes, makes unbelievable reads out of the high post yeah. or out of the low post.
1: When you see a guy six eleven who could do that or seven foot, and you're like, wow, he can handle the ball, makes the right he's patient, he looks healthy, he looks confident. It's that's, just a different It's
0: an all around game that you yeah, need to yeah. have at the next level.
1: It's just a different level he's playing at than last year. So that's kind of interesting because Chino Hills did play did play Ranch Krishna at the tournament. And the thing I saw from when we say the big O guys for the bigger audience, he's a Neko Kongwu. He's a senior at Chino Hills High School, six foot nine ish. We like to call him Big O just because we follow him That's so That's his long. name. That's pretty much his name That's now. That's pretty much his he name. He should just go
0: to change it and, yeah. at, at the courthouse. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'd like to change my name to the Big O. Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about our Neko Kongwu. the thing I like
1: that I saw was that at the end of the game, he was pissed off that they lost.
0: Yeah. And they lost. It was a close game.
1: I think it was 73-67 yeah. or 72-67. And they lost at a foul in the last play. Yeah. Isaiah Mobley got an offensive rebound and he got hit and he made the free throw. So they lost, but he was mad. So that I, the fire is there. And obviously, you know, um he's part of the number 1 recruiting class that quote unquote recruiting experts say along with Isaiah going to and we'll see how he does. You know, they have we'll see if USC gets it done with this recruiting class and uh, how they finish out the season. And speaking of Chino Hills and the big O, uh, Devin, why don't you talk a little bit about our next segment?
0: So, yeah, we're going to close out here right now, but we're going to lead you into our next segment next week. Um, we're going to talk about the saga of LaMelo Ball. Everyone knows it. Everyone pretends to hate it but secretly loves it. Sure. So we're going to bring you kind of a in, super inside perspective on our thoughts on Young Mellow, who we've seen since he was an 11-year-old playing 17U. Thanks again for listening, you guys. This is Ronnie and Devin Harden the Paint signing off.